<laughs> it's usually East Coast time or Pacific time or something like that. But little old Wyoming's got to throw up its head once in a while, right? So anyway, um, glad to be back after the holidays. That was fun. But uh, it's over now, so we're back to the normal routine with all the fishy stuff. So it was nice to be off last week, but here we are again. Let's see who's here. We got Aqua Apprentice. Thanks for stopping by. Tampa Tom chimed in earlier. When it's uh, nice outside in Florida, Tampa goes on a motorcycle ride. So he'll be here later or he'll catch the replay if it's nice. Glenn Norton, welcome. Real. Hey, Real. Good to see you again. Bathy Phila, welcome. Odloriak Peterson, one day I'll say it right. <laughs> Doug's Fish Adventure, Ringatui. Get a little hungry every time I say your name, Ringatui. Reminds me of Ratatui. Wichita, hey, Wichita, glad you made it. Jack Stevenson, hello, hello. And Dr. S. Experimentis. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. All right. Um, we're going to get started here. If you have a question or a comment for me that you want me to see, if you make it at and then type Dan's fish, it'll populate. I'll see it. I'll get right to it. Otherwise, I might not see it. So if I'm ignoring you, it's not on purpose. It's probably because I didn't see it. Um, I've got a really exciting announcement about getgills.com that I'll get to in just a little bit. And then um, before I do that, I'm going to tell you guys what I'm thinking of ordering uh, getting in next week as far as fish go. Um, let's see here. Is Tampa back? Not quite yet. That's okay. Jack Stevenson says, hello, Dan. How are you? It's warming in the UK here. Nice to see you. Well, it's cold here. Yesterday, I think the high was, I don't know, negative five maybe, but today it was positive 40. So Fahrenheit, of course. So the, the temperature in Wyoming is funny. It just, it swings. It'll, it'll change. I don't know. It'll change 70 degrees in 24 hours. Sometimes it's crazy. So <laughs> earlier today it was 40 degrees, but it got dark. So the temperatures probably plummeted. I don't know what, but it's cold. That's why in the winter, I like having a nice warm fish room. It's uh, 77 degrees down here in the fish room today. Uh, Humidity is 26%. So it's pretty dry down here because the furnace is going. And that dries it out even with all the aquariums and stuff. But uh, yeah, wintertime in Wyoming, it's nice to have a fish room. You get to go hang out when you get cold and chill out in tropical temperatures. So it's like being on a beach, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ringatou says, Happy New Year, everyone. I agree. Happy New Year. I hope you all had fantastic holidays. Uh, I'm assuming most people watching this uh, celebrate winter holidays, so I hope you had a good one. If you didn't, then whatever holiday you celebrate next, I hope you enjoy. But um, yeah, I had a great time. It was nice to have some time off, reconnect with the wife and kids and, you know, be able to just relax and have some fun. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We just chilled and it was great. Um Dr. S. Experimentis. Hey guys, there's literally three streams happening at the same time right now. I know there's a lot that happened. So Dr. S, I've been doing this stream for about a year now. Same time, same day, every week, seven o'clock PM Wednesday. So I'm not going to change just because some other folks decided they want to try it on Wednesday. So I've been here for a long time. 
is kind of, uh, you know, fits my schedule. It's been done regularly. So that's fine. Other people can pop in and do their streams. And I don't think it's a, a competition necessarily. Like, I know Corey's going right now. I know um, someone else is going right now. Aquarium Cop's going right now, I believe. And so that's fine. I like their stuff. So I'll just watch their stuff on the replay after. So I, that's what replays are for. I'm not stressing about it. I, I just believe in consistency. So I'm just going to keep doing what I do and we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's a lot of streams. Wednesday used to be dead. That's why I decided to, to go on Wednesdays a year ago or maybe more than a year ago. I can't remember. But yeah, now it's uh, now it's a pretty happening night. But that's fine. That's fine. I'll catch the replays later. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure. I wish I could show pictures on comments. Yep. Yep. Um, Got to be a mod for that. And I keep modding to a minimum just because otherwise it, it just it's all mods all the time. I don't want to do that. Go Fish Aquatics. Hey, welcome. Um, TM Aquatics. Hello. <laughs> Aqua Prince says 40. That's winter here. It's 66 right now in Tampa. Yeah, lucky you. Yep. I remember going to, I went to Miami in December a few years ago. And I remember I got off the plane and I felt like I got hit by like a wall of like sauna heat. Like, you know, when if you're baking, I don't know, if you're cooking something in the oven and you open the oven up and that hot, humid air just smacks you in the face. That's what it felt like when I got off the plane in Miami in December. <laughs> so, yep, you have different weather for sure. Glenn Norton, can rams and cribs live in harmony? Yeah, I I think so. If you're talking about cribs as in cribensis, Um but I would think you would need quite a large footprint on the tank to pull that off. If it's a small tank, I wouldn't try it. Right now, I have a pelvic acromus, which is a, a different, a, which one? The Sacramontis behind me with a bunch of epistogrammas. And they're doing fine. But it's a 125-gallon tank, and there's a lot of hiding places, a lot of plants, a lot of little niches and caves and spots. So they get along fine. The um, pelvic acromus chase the um, epistos a little bit when the epistos get in their corner where they kind of have their little territory. But apart from that, nothing much happens and there's so much space that they just chase them and they swim away somewhere else and it's fine. So I think it can work. It's just about footprint and about having enough uh, little territories and hiding spots and stuff going on in the aquarium that they can get away from each other and live well together. I wouldn't try it in a small tank and I wouldn't try it in a sparsely, uh, in a tank that's pretty much bare. It would need to have a lot of stuff in it. At least that's my thought. But I think they can get along just fine. And the cribs will do fine, you know, in the low 80s if you need to keep the temperature up there for the rams. I, I'm assuming we're talking about uh, ramsari, so German blue rams and not Bolivian rams, by the way. If you're talking about Bolivian Rams, I think it's the same thing. Just, you know, temperature is a little different. Um, let's see here. Hey, Dank. Welcome. Big City Bettas. Hey, glad you made it again, Big City. Um, so Big City, I was going through the the supply lists today and I saw some cool wild Bettas and I thought of you. <laughs> One's the, uh, what's the brackish water one that's a bubble nester? It's not like Macaulay or Macaulay, something like that. Um, and I think there's Betta and Bellis on the list as well. 
and Betta Pugnax are the ones I think that I saw that are a little unusual. I can almost always get like Una Maculata and Macrostoma, Chinoides, uh, Rubra, and a few others, but it was interesting to see some of the wild type bubble nesters. I know Pugnax isn't a bubble nester, but the Ambellus and the, uh, is it Maculakai or, you know what, I don't know the name, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, there it is. Mahakai. Mahakai. Yeah, that one. So it was cool to see him. I can't get him. Mahakai is kind of a brackish waterbed, if I understand right. And my water's so soft, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable, I don't think, getting them and throwing them in this water. I think they might break down if I did that. And they were pricey, too. Um, retail on those things was going to be, I don't know, maybe 80 bucks a pair, 60 bucks a pair, something like that. So yeah, I was, I was amazed. <laughs> um, Jack Stevenson at Dancefish, I've got a question. I can't hatch killie eggs. Oh, I've got FP Gardner, I pairs and Aphiosimian Splendipleur Tiki. Um, two males, two females. I've tried most things to hatch. Got any recommendations? Yeah. Um, so Jack, can you tell me how you're incubating the eggs and then I can help you? Is it dry incubation on like peat moss or core, core, chire, whatever they call that <laughs> coconut fiber? <laughs> um, or are you water incubating them? Uh, let me know and I can walk you through uh, some tricks to help you out. Um, actually, it's and is it trouble getting them just to hatch? Like, do they eye up for you and they look like they're ready to hatch and then they don't? Or is it trouble getting them to the hatching stage? Like they're fungusing uh, or dying, turning white and fuzzy and decomposing before they get to the hatch period. So that's that's something to know as well. If you can fill me in on that, I will gladly help you out, Jack. Um, Dr. S. Experimentis, you are the OG Wednesday streamer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, 15 degrees outside of Deloriac. Yeah. But you're like, aren't you in one of those, uh, what they used to call the low countries? Is it like Sweden or Switzerland or no, not it's like you're in Sweden or Norway or something like that, I think. Right. So yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's probably about that here too. Yep. We're, we're your brothers in weather. <laughs> <laughs> here in Wyoming. Aqua Apprentice, how long are your racks between vertical supports? So um, between the top of the tank and the bottom of the next shelf, like headspace above each tank is one foot. So 12 inches. Now these are 75 gallon tanks. So they're pretty deep from top to bottom and pretty deep front to back. So I like having that, that room so I can really get in there and do whatever I need to do. Um, I've done it in the past where I've crammed tanks in and only left myself six inches or so. And it just became a pain to work with. Like I could get my arm in there, but if I, if I ever had to get behind the aquarium, I couldn't just bend over and reach back and fix the overflow or, or figure out where the leak was or whatever. I'd have to actually drain the tank and remove it to do that, which was a pain. But also what I found is uh, if I give myself enough headspace and make it easy and pleasant to work in the aquariums, then I will. And the fish health will benefit because if something's going on, it's easy for me to just reach in and take care of it. If it's super hard to take care of it, it just, there's something about 
my nature, maybe human nature in general, but for sure my nature that is just like, oh, that's going to be pain. I'll get to that later. And then the next day, oh, that's going to be hard. I'll do that later, you know, and keep putting it off. And then the fish suffers. So my, uh, my thesis is that do whatever you have to do to make it pleasant for you to service your tanks and care for your tanks, because then you will service your tanks and care for your tanks. Otherwise, they'll kind of get neglected. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. But yeah, a foot is great. 10 inches would probably be fine. Um, and if they're smaller tanks, you can get away with less. Yeah. Let's see here. Slippery Fish. Hey, welcome. Happy New Year, Craig. Glad you're or not Craig. I'm sorry. Glad you're here, Slippery Fish. Oh, hang on. I forgot your real. Oh, I know what it is. But I don't know you well enough to know if you want me to uh, release it. But um, love those crackadons. Glad that went well for you. For those that missed it, Slippery Fish had some amazing crackadon lateralis for, sh- for sale on getgills.com, um, which were fantastic. Speaking of fish for sale, let me real quick tell you what I'm thinking of ordering for next week. Keep in mind, just because I order it doesn't mean I receive it. Like I get shorted all the time. Sometimes I get shorted 100% of the order, sometimes 75%. Sometimes I don't get shorted and I get everything. It's really a gamble. But here's what I'm thinking of doing. Um, There is some discus that I might go ahead and get. They're, They're at a decent price and I like discus and I haven't had them for a long time. So I might do that. Um, some neon red endlers because I can get pairs this time. So I can actually have some females. You can get all kinds of endlers, but it's hard to get females. Often they're just trying to sell the males. So I found pairs, so I might do that. Um, I'm going to try to get more of the red hyphen red eyed sword tails, the cauliflower, uh, hyphen swords that I had. Um, they're awesome. I love them. And they, they sold out in 24 hours. So, and people keep asking for them. So I think we'll get more of those so I can get more of those out there for people. Trying to get Sudamugil forcatus. So left the pom-pom blue eye or the fork-tailed blue eye. Beautiful little blue eye rainbow fish. Um, a cichlid, Geophagus wine miller eye. I've been trying to get that fish for several months. I've ordered it every week and it still hasn't come in. With the exception of the holidays, I didn't order any fish over the holidays because it was the holidays. But uh, since like early November, I've been trying to order that fish, I think. Um, some long fin paleotis because uh, Bob Kaler and some other folks want those. So I'll try. couple wild type rainbow fish that I've been working on. Again, I've been ordering them weekly for a couple months and they still haven't come. So I'll try again. Some stiffodon, stiffodon gobies, just because they're awesome. And then some Aplicylus, um blockii, a little killifish that lives at the surface and is a, a great a little golden fish. Uh, it's kind of like a golden wonder, but doesn't get as big and is not nearly as aggressive. So that's what I'm thinking of doing. Um, for sure, the, the sword tails, for sure, the rainbows. Um, and some of the others, but that's kind of what's on the list. There were also chocolate garamis and I was really tempted, but I think I have to kind of move some of my croaking garamis before I get another batch of, you know, brown garami. (laughs) So, so that's, what's going on there. Um, in a little bit, I'll tell you about the awesome announcement at getgills.com. There's, there's good stuff happening that I'll tell you about shortly. 
H.C. Aqua, hey, glad you made it. How is stuff over in your neck of the woods? I bet it's a lot warmer than my neck of the woods. Rod S., what was the dry pellet fish food you mentioned you've used for a long time and is one you believe in? Yeah, been looking through your videos but could not find where it was mentioned. It's probably P.E. Mysis. So Piscean Energetics Mysis. Let me... um. Let me see if I can link you here, um, an Amazon link or something. Not that you have to buy it there, but just so that you can. And by the way, I don't have an affiliation with um, with Amazon or anything like that. So I'm not getting a kickback, but I'll just share this link with you just so you can see what it is. Now it comes in salt water. Oh, it's showing salt water. Let's sh show fresh water. Um, Okay, here we go. It's Piscean Energetics. Um, I'm linking it for you right now. There's the link. And let me show you all what I'm talking about. So it's this stuff, Piscean Energetics or PE, and it's Mysis. So the way I got introduced to Piscean Energetics is I was looking for a nice meaty food that would help get my killifish and my discus into spawning condition. And I came across this frozen food, they're frozen mysis, and I fell in love with it. Yes, it's got a lot of natural fats in it and stuff. So yes, it can give you an oil slick across the top of your aquarium. But you can prevent that. All you have to do is rinse it well before you feed it to your fish. If you just put in a big frozen hunk of it, you're going to have a problem. Um, but if you take it, you thaw it, you rinse it out and then put it in your fish, then it mitigates the problem a lot. So that's how I got to know this company was through their frozen mysis shrimp. But then they started making uh, uh, processed foods as well. So they came up with this pellet. And the reason I like it is I think the first ingredient is mysis shrimp. I, I don't have a package in front of me. Um, I buy it in a big five pound bucket and then um, throw it in divide it into small sealed plastic bags and keep it that way so it doesn't get old on me. So I'm only opening a few ounces at a time to use so it doesn't go bad. But um, it's a really high quality food. And the reason, another reason I really like it is it's a sustainable thing. So it's a freshwater mysis shrimp, not an ocean mysis. And what happened was there were these, there's this lake, well, they did this to several lakes, but there's a lake in Canada where they had a trout fishery, basically, or maybe it was salmon, some kind of sport fish. It was trout or salmon. I can't remember which. And they thought, hey, we should put a bunch of these mysis shrimp in this lake. They're not naturally from this lake. But they thought, we're going to put these mysis shrimp in there. They'll multiply, and that'll feed the trout or the salmon or whatever it was. And then the stocks and the fish will rise, and we'll have this great place where people can go and, and go fishing. Um, what they didn't realize is that mysis shrimp will eat little baby fish. <laughs> and so the mysis shrimp loved to eat the fry of the salmon or the trout or whatever it was. And kind of, so the fish population did not boom. <laughs> but when it, what ended up happening is the mysis took over that lake. So now there's this lake up in Canada. It's a glacier lake, pure, clean, clean water, just full of freshwater mysis shrimp that should not be there. So Piscean Energetics goes and collects it, 
and tries to, you know, eradicate this shrimp from this lake. So A, it's a high quality food. B, they're doing the environment a service by collecting it from this lake where it's invasive. And then you get a great food out of it. So that's why I like it. It's a high quality food, but it's also not damaging the environment. In fact, it's helping restore this environment that has been invaded by these mice shrimp. So, yep. Oh, I'm still, we've been staring at that for a long time. Sorry, I forgot to flip back. <laughs> but I, I believe that's the one. Um, I think Hikari micro pellets are, are fine. I use them a lot. Um, I, I even use HBH, which is cheap and stuff, but just in rotation. If I had to choose just one pellet, though, it'd probably be the PE Mysis. Now, it comes in, in a few different sizes. Um, I use the smallest size, which I believe is one millimeter. I think it comes in a two and a three millimeter as well. That's just too big for most of my fish. In fact, for a lot of my fish, the one millimeter is too big and I have to, and I'll like kind of grind it up over the top of the tank. So I do that for like the little, uh, little tiny killifish or um, some of like the micro rasboras, things like that. But that's the one I bet. Slippery fish, any advice on hatching angelfish eggs? My angels have tried three times now. They just wind up eating the eggs after three days. They do fan the eggs right up to that point before they eat them. So, yeah, I've got some um, ideas for you. If you want to keep the parents incubating the eggs, then I don't have many ideas. Um, one would be make sure there's no other fish in that tank that kind of outcompete the parents <laughs> for the eggs to the point that the parents get so stressed that they eat the eggs. Because if the parents think that the eggs are not going to be hatched and are going to get predated on by another species, they're going to eat the eggs themselves so that they reabsorb that energy and can spawn again quicker rather than give that energy that they invested in their eggs to another species. So if there's other fish in the tank that are threatening the spawn, they're likely to eat the spawn. Um, another one is just the classic thing of giving privacy. You can kind of put something around the tank so that they don't see you all the time, so you're not disturbing them when you pass by. Put the tank in an area of the house or the fish room that doesn't have a lot of traffic in it, those kinds of things. Um, it might help to spike the temperature. I breed angels all the time in the mid 70s, but it might help to take the temperature up to the low 80s if it's lower than that, just so that the whole process is faster. That might be something that could help as well. Um, so those are my thoughts for helping the parents take the fry to maturation. If um, besides that, I would artificially incubate the eggs. So that's how I do it. So I remove the, I breed them on a PVC pipe. You can do it on slate or whatever. I take that pipe out. I put it in a two gallon bowl. It's like a jar, basically. I put in uh, two milliliters of hydrogen peroxide per gallon of water in that. And I put an air stone above the spawn so that water's circulating and bringing oxygen up to the eggs constantly like the parents would. And I change that water one to two times a day and I replace the um, 
hydrogen peroxide each time I change the water on that. And it's 100% water change when I do that. The water I use when I change it is aged and gassed off. Um, so there's no chlorine in it and it's, it's stabilized. So it's had 24 hours to be circulated. It's been run through a carbon block. So it's not going to go in the tank and then have to adjust itself a bunch. It's pretty stable once it goes into the, the tank, the, the hatching jar. So that's how I do it. As soon as the fry hatch, then I move them to a small, well-established aquarium to kind of grow them up. Um, so artificial incubation can help if you can't get the parents to take them to term. So those are kind of my thoughts on how to do that slippery fish. Hope, hope it works. Let's see here. Someone asked about killifish jack. Okay, I want to make sure I... It's water incubation. They don't eye up, they fungus. Okay, and the species you're using, jack, are... It's uh, funnel panjax gardneri, aphiosimian splendid plurtiki. Um, okay. So a couple things. Do you have hard water? It's not that it can't be done, but it is more difficult to water incubate some species of killifish in harder water. Now the gardener I should be bulletproof, um, but I could see how the Splendoplurm, it could be a little harder. I'm not saying you have to have soft water, but if you have hard water, it can be especially, uh, it, it just adds another layer of complexity to it. So a couple questions. Are you keeping the eggs in an itty bitty little container? If you are, you might consider a little bit larger container. Not really deep, but maybe two, three cups of water volume. That's just something to help uh, dilute any, I don't know, I, I guess toxins or any pollutants or anything like that that end up in there. Or if an egg funguses and releases some kind of toxin or chemical that's not uh, wanted, it helps dissipate that over a larger water volume. So I would, I would do that. Nothing too deep though, because you want plenty of oxygen to get down to the eggs. And then are you changing the water in the incubation container? If not, you'll want to do that at least twice a day, morning and night. If you're home at lunch, do it three times a day or four. Um, and that'll just help keep that water fresh. So any contaminants or anything like that is constantly diluted. And again, Make sure it's aged, stabilized water that you're doing, not water fresh out of the tap that you've just dechlorinated. Um, so if you don't have a tank that's empty or something like that that you can use, um, then, because you don't want to use water from a tank with a lot of fish in it and stuff. You want to use water that's pretty clean. Then what I would do if you don't have that in an aquarium or something that you can just draw from is I'd get a bucket, like a five-gallon bucket, put an air stone in it, fill it up, put in some prime or safe or something like that and let it bubble for at least overnight or 24 hours before you use it. So nothing stagnant, nothing new and nothing really kind of, you know, used. So that'll help. And the other thing is, is the hydrogen peroxide. And you can put in more, but I'd start with two milliliters per gallon of that. Now you can go higher. And by the way, for the angelfish and the killifish or any other fish, stop the hydrogen peroxide as soon as the eggs hatch. 
as soon as you have wrigglers for angelfish or fry for killifish, because they don't really have a wriggler stage, um, stop the hydrogen peroxide right then. So those are my thoughts for wet incubation. Now, another thing you could try is peat incubation. Both those species, in fact, almost all killifish species, you can get some peat moss. I use Mosser Lee's damp off peat. Let me see if I can find this. I've used lots of peat mosses. No damp off. Um, I've used lots and lots of peat mosses over the years. And this one does make a difference. It's higher quality. It has less dust in it. So it doesn't kind of coat the eggs and deprive them of oxygen. And it's, I'll, I'll put a uh, link here. Again, this is not an affiliate of me. Um, and I'm not suggesting you have to get this here. But it's just so you can see what it is. And it's, it's this stuff. Now you can use other peat moss too, but I found this stuff to be absolutely the best. <laughs> I've tried lots of mosses and this stuff is, is fantastic. It's the no damp off peat moss. It's formulated to prevent seedlings from dying of something called damp off, which is where the stem, where the stem touches the, the substrate or the soil it kind of rots right there and the little seedling just dies. So it's got good antibacterial properties in it. Um, it's kind of a less dusty and more, it's a more desirable part of the peat moss that's mined and, and sifted. And so that's what I use. So I take some of that, pour as much water in it as I can. I don't boil it. You could, I don't. And it doesn't need a sink or anything because you're still spawning the fish in a mop you're just putting them in peat moss. So just get it damp, get it to where um, you can't squeeze any more water out of it with your hands. And then put it in the container, um, whatever container you use, fill it about halfway. Put the eggs in there, shake them up so they're all spread out, so they're not all together. You don't want them touching if you can help it. Because then if one fungus is, it doesn't pass it to the next egg. Because it's in a drier environment, so it's harder for the fungus to to transfer from egg to egg. And then what I would do is take a few eggs and put them right on top once you're done kind of shaking it up and spreading them out so that you can observe them. I would put that in a dark place for probably two weeks and then I would check it. If you see eyes, then put them in water so they can hatch. So those are my thoughts. Um, you can try those things with wet incubation to see if you can get them to term or try the dry incubation. It might help you out when the other fails. Um, the other one that generally works is well-established aquarium, lots of plants, put the, the killies in there. After a week or two, move them to another tank and the fry will just hatch in that tank. So when all else fails, that usually works, at least for non-annual and semi-annual species. Um, so, I hope that that uh, answers your question, Jack, and I hope that helps you. Um, if you need a follow-up, please feel free. Um, if none of those work, then come to another live stream and say, hey, that didn't work, and we'll see if we can find a better solution for you. But those are kind of the things that generally work for me to get them to term. Now, if you're getting them to term and they're not hatching, there's a whole other bag of tricks, but we won't go into that unless you have that problem. All right? But yeah, I want to help you. I love killies and I, I want to help people succeed with them. They're fantastic fish. All right. 
let's see if I'm missing um, your comment or your question is because it's not being populated at Dan's fish. So make it at Dan's fish, then I'll see it and I'll get right to you. But big city bed is I am seeing your comment. I keep both the <laughs> Mahakai and Imbellus. They're fantastic species from a Mahakai. I keep them with crushed coral and full brackish. They like unique conditions for betta species. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, from what I understand, they come from, is it just one location? This kind of a brackish swamp kind of location. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. It is pretty unique though. You think of bettas, you think soft, acidic, warm water, right? Um, that's what I think of. Let's see here. Wait, TM's pulling wrigglers? Of what, TM? Hang on, that's exciting. I have to find this out. We're talking about spawning. Oh, L134, cool. TM got wrigglers of his plecos. That's amazing, I'm glad to hear it. Those are the leopard frogs, right? I saw a video about that, I think. Hot cocoa, don't mind if I do. So I'm gonna take just a brief um, break from the chat here and tell you about the exciting update for Get Gills. So, Basically, my partner and I have been working really hard for a long time because we got kind of a constant uh, feedback about the shipping. People wanted more flexible shipping than Get Gills had. Not on the buyer's side. For the buyer, it was great. But for the seller, when they're selling their fish, they wanted to be able to um, send a fish, this fish this way and this other fish this other way, or and maybe this other fish both ways if they wanted, things like that. So... We've been working really hard, and it looks like tomorrow, if all the testing we do tonight goes well, tomorrow we'll finally be able to release the shipping update. Now, if it's not tomorrow, don't hold me to the fire. We, we, we think, my partner thinks he's done the code. He's doing some in-depth testing. Um, the database has been reconfigured, all that. So if it doesn't get released tomorrow, it just means we found a problem. We're fixing it. As soon as it's fixed, it'll get released. But um, and we're we're bound to find a problem or two in the testing. It just depends on how how hard it is to fix. So it's pretty complex and it's taken several months. But we've got something that we think you're really gonna like. Basically, if you're selling fish on GetGills.com, you are now gonna be able to make as many different groups as you want of fish for shipping purposes. So you can make group A and say, I want these five fish in group A. And then you can assign any shipping methods to that group you want. Then you can make group B of fish, say I want these three fish in group B and assign as many different methods of shipping to that group as you want. And you can do that ad infinitum, as many different groups as you want. And then you can say, well, there's this other fish that can ship with any of these other groups. So I want it to appear in all the different groups. So it's very flexible. You can also make it so that you can have free shipping after a certain amount. So you can say, okay, I want this group to ship for free, but I need to sell at least, I don't know, you have to purchase at least $100 worth of fish in this group, and then it ships for free. So that's another little feature that we've made. So things like that are, are, are what's coming out. I think that... People really liked Get Gills when it, it launched, but this was this and being able to pay with PayPal were the two really recurring um, requests that we got. People just wanted more flexibility in shipping and the ability to pay with PayPal. Now, 
PayPal simply is not open <laughs> to working on a multi-vendor platform like we have. So for now, that's a no-go. We might be able to get it work to work. There might be a hack, but you, it's, it's not ideal because then you have PayPal's fees on top of all the other fees and stuff like that. And it's not very friendly on our side to make that work. But we're, we're, we're still thinking about that. But the shipping, I think, is pretty much solved. So if you sell fish on Get Gills, be warned that pretty soon um, you're going to see big changes on how stuff is shipped. But they're good changes. They're the changes that you and pretty much everyone that sells fish on the site has been requesting for several months now since we launched in, um, when was it? When did we launch? It might have been September or October. I can't remember which month. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So again, if you sell now, you can say, I want this group to ship these ways and these are the fish in this group. And then it, you can make a different group that ships completely different ways and have all that flexibility. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully that makes people here that sell at getgills.com happy to hear. And hopefully when we launch it, it doesn't just wipe out everything so everyone has to reset shipping <laughs> from scratch. But it might. <laughs> but it'll be worth it if it does because I know y'all want that pretty bad. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm going to get back to the chat. If you make it at Dan's Fish, it'll populate, it'll highlight, I'll see it, and I'll get right to it. Mob Guppy did it and says, hi. And I saw it because it was highlighted. So hi, Mob Guppy. How you doing? Um, oh, wait, I might have already said hi to Mob Guppy. Otter Creek. Hey, Otter, glad you're here. Do you think you could look for some juvenile Parkinsoni on your next order? Um, I can get Parkinsoni without any problem, Otter Creek. The issue I have is I already have several Parkinsoni that are adults. And if I got juveniles, I would need to order probably it for juveniles, for the small ones. There'd be a lot in a bag. I'm going to guess I'd have to order 50 to 100 of them. So if you honestly want a big group of them, I'd be happy to order them for you. Um, hit me up, dan at dansfish.com, and I can tell you, Okay, here's the price. And of course, if you buy in bulk like that, I'll give you a discount and uh, we'll see if we can make that work. But if you only want one or two or a group of six or something, I can't help you just because when I order fish, I have to buy them in large quantities. And so I can definitely get them. They're not a difficult fish to get. It's just about how many I have to get at a time is the limiting factor. Thomas Skipper. Hey, glad you made it, Thomas. Glad you made it. For those that don't know, Thomas is a brand new YouTuber. He listed his first video, was it three days ago? And then another video, I don't know, yesterday or today or something like that. So um, brand new YouTuber, just starting. He's got the cell phone working for him. So if you're looking for another uh, fish setup to check out, he goes through and shows you what he's got. Um, Dam's fish. <laughs> That's funny, Rick. <laughs> I would like a way to search by location of the seller or a field that tells their location. Yep. That is a good idea. That's on our punch list, uh, Rick. And we'll, 
I'm sure we'll get to that. There's some other things that are a little more pressing that we have to get to first, but yeah, I think we can do that. In the meantime, if you're selling at getgills.com, um, would you mind in your store description just telling people where you're at? Uh, you don't have to tell them you know, your home address, but if you tell them I'm in Texas or I'm in Oregon or whatever, um, that can help people out a little bit. But Rick, yeah, I hear you and we're aware of that. Um, and it's again, it's on the punch list. It's just it's not close to the top of the punch list right now. But but we are aware of that. Um, but please, you or anyone else that has any other ideas about how to make it better. Hey, Candy made it. Um, or anything. It doesn't bother me at all when people have ideas or say, hey, I want this or I don't like this or any of that. All that feedback for us is golden. It's so helpful. And so we take that and the way we prioritize it is we say, okay, 100 people asked for this, one person asked for this, five people asked for this, 20 people asked for this, right? And pretty quickly we can know how we we need to prioritize our punch list. So that's kind of how we do it. So it's on the list. I don't know exactly how high it up. It's, it's not at the very top though, but yep. In fact, we want to get it to the point to where we know that well enough that we can make shipping from one location to the next, like an automatic thing you can do on the site and that the price will reflect the distance. So if you're just one city down and shipping is pretty cheap, it'll be one price. And if you're in New York and shipping's far from me, it'll be a little higher price as opposed to right now where it's kind of a, a flat price, but that's going to be a while. Again, this is just me and my brother doing this. Uh, we both have other jobs. <laughs> we both have families. This is a labor of love and we work on it really hard, but you'd be amazed at how time consuming and how um, complex coding some of these things can be. So my partner, Jonathan, he's kind of a rock star and he does amazing things. Um, you know, normally if this was done, we'd go to Silicon Valley, we'd raise a couple million bucks and we'd have 12 engineers coding like full time on this sucker to get it done. It's that complex of an operation we're trying to do with just the two of us. So it is going to take a little time. But again, your feedback is welcome and appreciated and wanted and heard. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Corey must have ended because now people are coming. 68 watching. 70. Hey, it's climbing. Welcome, everybody. For those that missed it and that are interested, um, earlier in the live stream, we talked about some cool things. We talked about how to incubate killi eggs. Some people were, or there was a question about how do I get killi eggs to incubate? They keep fungusing. So we talked about that. How to get angelfish spawns to term. We talked about that. I went over what I'm planning on ordering for next week. And I went over a large update to getgills.com that's going to make the site a million times better for sellers. So we hope tomorrow to launch the new shipping uh, the updated shipping section of the site to give you amazing flexibility and hopefully ease as well as a seller when you go to sell your fish at getgills.com. So um, that's all earlier if you missed it. But welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. 74. What's our record? Is 74 our record? I can't remember. But mods are back and modding like crazy. Welcome, everybody. Um Small fry aquarium fish, brilliant. This is a huge game changer. Love it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna really help. And we've known for a while that people wanted it, 
and we've been working on it. I just can't explain to you how complex it is. It's crazy. Big city betas. Beta Mahakai. Am I saying that right, by the way, big city? Beta Mahakai. Or is it Mahachi? No, Mahakai, right? Are from a few specific locations in central Thailand. They're only found in Nipis palm estuaries and coastal bogs. Yeah, okay, so it's all it's all brackish, heavily kind of salty, high mineral type environments. Cool. Well, one day I want to keep them. They are beautiful, kind of that, that bright green on them. Um, it's just my water's soft, and I don't want to do the work, frankly, of setting up a brackish water tank when my starting water is soft. If I was still in Los Angeles and my water was already liquid rock, then maybe. <laughs> Team Aquatics, that's great news regarding Get Gills shipping. Yeah, I think I think people will like it. Bare Bottom Aquariums, I always get an air code when I try to check out. Haven't been able to order yet. Uh, Bare Bottom, can you email me? Just because um, I don't know your email. Or if you want, post your email in the chat so I can contact you. Because I'd like to walk you through that and see if the error is something on our site. There's a glitch that we haven't found yet that you happen to stumble into the way you check out. Or if I can just help you with something to help you check out successfully. So if you wouldn't mind emailing me, um, cause I don't, I don't know your email from the chat, then I would, I would love to take the time to help you out. Um, or if you make it at dance fish and send me your email in the chat, I'll, I'll email you later, but I, I would love to help you with that. It should be working, but if you're getting an error, um, we can look up on the back end why that error is happening and kind of figure that out for you. Um, all right. Candy posting some stuff. Thank you. By the way, Candy, I was glad to hear you made it back. For those that don't know, um, it's public knowledge, so I think I can share this. Uh, Candy made a trip to Denver to get her son Caleb some medical treatment, and the weather has been insane here. So the drive back yesterday, right, and late last night, that must have been ice. That must have been snow. <laughs> that must have been high winds. Um, I've made that drive from Denver to Billings, more or less, to Sheridan in the dead of winter many times, and it's no fun. It literally is like your knuckles are white and you're wondering if you're going to survive the trip sometimes. And um, glad you made it. So glad you arrived safe. And hopefully, hopefully it wasn't too long of a drive. I don't know how long you were on the road for. I'm going to guess nine hours. Is that right? That's my guess, knowing the weather conditions. Kaylee's Aquatics, 87 is the record. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Oh, yeah, Candy. I think we hit it uh, when you were off uh, modding for Corey once or something like that. But still, 77, not bad at all. We'll take it. Bare Bottom Aquariums, I'll shoot you an email. Okay, good. Yep. And if I'll, I'll try you right after the stream um, and see if we can fix it then. But if you got to go to bed or I don't know how late it is where you are, then we can do it another time too. For sure. All righty. Holy cow, we reached the bottom of the chat. And it's only 749. Not bad. All right. Hey, Fish Tank Barn. Glad you made it. So MHow9's new name, Fish Tank Barn. I like it. And uh, just like Bob Kaler's fish hobby is now Kaler's Aquatics, shorter is better in social media world. So I think that's a good move. I think that's a real good move. <laughs> um, 
Multi-tank addiction says, are you going to Aquashella? I don't think I am. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because I've pretty much blew my wad on this fish room and on the import I did from Nigeria and all that. And I just don't have the funds in the hobby slush fund to, to do that. Um, yeah, so I don't think I can do that. Also, I quit one of my jobs so I could have more time doing the fish. Um, here's what I'm trying to do. So for those that don't know, um, up until a few months ago, I was a tenured professor at a college. I taught theater and I also produced the Wyoming Theater Festival. Those are kind of my two gainfully employed jobs. And I turned 40 in June and said, no, what I really want to be doing is somehow doing what Rachel O'Leary does. She calls it being a professional hobbyist. So I want to find a way to turn my fish hobby into a living. And there's a couple things that I'm really good at. Um, I've worked in fish stores since I was a kid. I've worked at large wholesalers. I've worked at large breeding operations. And I've also just been a hobbyist and kept my own aquariums and my own fish room since I was 13, 14 years old, early 90s. So I've learned a lot. And a couple things I know how to do well are I know how to ship fish really well. That's come from years of hard learned experience. Um, and I know how to land imports and get them healthy. So, oh, and also killifish. I, I, I know how to keep killifish in a way that is more accessible for your average aquarist. Uh, so they can be kept in a community aquarium and be enjoyed in a display tank instead of just in a small little plastic tub in a dark closet somewhere. So what I decided is, and I like all those things too. So I decided, well, I can change this hobby by doing something different, which is instead of the thing that happens now in the fish industry, which is we get the fish and our goal is to sell them within a week so we can sell them before they die and before we have to do any real care and medicating and stuff, that's, that's the goal. That's how the industry operates right now. The problem with that is it's short-term thinking because then me, hobbyist or person who wants pretty fish in an aquarium, buys these fish, puts them in the tank. They inevitably get sick because they've just been through the stress of collection, transport, transshipping, wholesaler, often retail store. They've been through five, six different hands in the last couple of weeks. So they're going to get sick. The hobbyist or the person on the street who has an aquarium in their living room gets them, puts them in the tank, they get sick, they die. It's horrible. That person says, I hate this hobby or I hate having an aquarium. It's not worth it. I can't do it. It's too hard. And they quit, right? I hate that. So what I decided to do was change that. So what I do is I import fish or I get fish from wholesalers or transshippers or whatever. And I keep them for at least two weeks before I'll sell them, either locally or shipping. Um, I, I mean, I'm the only real fish store in Sheridan. It's just my basement, but it has regular hours and customers and stuff. And so it's, it's in a business license. It's a fish store. Um, and so what I said is, no, I'm going to be the person, instead of making the person that receives the fish be the one that has to 
know how to medicate fish and diagnose problems and get them through that first week or two, I'll do that. So I get the fish in, I medicate them for at least a week, sometimes more if they need it. And then I make sure that they're at least a week thriving without any medicines before I'll ship them or sell them uh, locally. So what I'm trying to do is change the hobby so that the person that gets the fish gets nice, healthy fish, has success and is more likely to stay in the aquarium because I think that's the long-term thinking for this hobby or for this industry is if we can make it so that the people that get the fish are successful, they're going to love it and they're going to get more fish. And long-term, it's going to grow my pie and grow the pie of the hobby and the industry in general because more people will be keeping fish instead of saying, oh, I hate this. This is too hard. The whole tank died. I'm done, right? So I, I know how to bring fish in and get them healthy. And then I know how to ship fish really well. And so I decided that's what I was going to focus on. I also know how to breed fish. That's, that's kind of my passion. And, but I don't have a big enough operation. I can't be a fish farm. I can't breed all the fish I need to sell enough to make a living. So what I'm trying to do is kind of what Flip Aquatics is now doing with shrimp. Bring in fish, get them healthy, get them to the customer in a way that the customer will have success. And that's, that's my whole model. Uh, and so I decided that would set me apart and make me different enough that I'd have a shot in making a living doing this. So I quit in June. I quit my professorship. Um, which is weird. People fight for decades to gain a tenured track professorship. Um, I had one for seven years and I just don't, in, I, I love it, but I don't love it as much as I love this. And, uh, so that's a long way of saying that's a lot of money I gave up in June so I could do this. And until this builds to a certain amount, I'm not going to have any spare change to do things like Aquashella and things like that. That's what got me on that rant. So multi-tank addiction, <laughs> that's the 10 minute answer of why I'm not going to Aquashella. <laughs> Basically, I quit my most uh, uh, <laughs> lucrative job and until, and until this venture gets to a certain point, I'm just not going to be able to afford to. We're basically living off my savings right now. I mean, some money comes in, but it's got to build a bit more before it's really a, a real thing. Um, Dolly Vigil. Um, for those that are new or, or don't remember, um, if you make it at Dan's Fish, I'll see it and respond to it. Um, Dolly, you didn't do that, but I see it, so I'm going to respond to it. What do you rec recommend for a 15-gallon tank, Dan? Well, I love killifish, so that's what I'm going to go with. There's a lot of options. If the tank has a tight fitting lid so the fish can't jump out of it, get yourself some, uh, some nice killifish. Maybe for the surface, um, some, let's see, I do, on the surface, I probably do Poro Panchax Luxothalmus. It's the green neon lamp eye. It's a, a pretty subtle fish, but with bright green iridescence on it that really glows when they're at the right angle. Um, hope you all can still see me. That main light just turned off. So I would do that one. And then under that, I would do 
more midwater bottom dwelling killifish, say Aphiosemen caliurum or something like that, uh, or Aphiosemen australi, something like that. Hang on, let me get this light back on. It's bugging me. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right. And I better turn this on too. I never adjusted my lights after daylight savings or whatever changed. So <laughs> they're still flicking off kind of at the wrong time. So, so I think that's what I would do. Um, other fish I really like are the dwarf rainbow fish. I, I like uh, threadfin rainbows a lot because they're just so stunning when they display. I like fricata rainbows. I like all the little pseudomugil species are fantastic. So some of those is another option. Um, what else? Oh, you know, a nice group of peacock gudgeons is beautiful and would do well in that size tank. And then what I found works really well up top are like the platinum half beaks. That's working really well in a big tank I have right now. Um, and that would do well in a 15 gallon as well. It's kind of a nice long footprint for both those species. So those are some options. Um, it's, there's so many though, Dolly, that it's hard to, it's hard to recommend because there's so many options for that size tank. Lots of small little peaceful fish that would do really well for you. All right, Lumpy Dog, sweet, dance fish tease. All right, so if you want a t-shirt, Lumpy Dog has the link. By the way, so good to see you back, Lumpy Dog. Glad you're here again. Koi Dragon Aquatics, that sounds like a bingo of a biz plan. <laughs> it's not a bingo, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I kind of went, did the professor thing. I was like, okay, I've kind of, I don't know. I just got done with it. Whereas fish I've been doing since I was a kid and I've never got done with it. It's never got old to me. So it seemed like the thing to do. <laughs> so the business plan is, is, is that and then selling on Get Gills, that's the other part, is building this community site where anyone can buy or sell fish. So if you have fish to sell, you can post them on getgills.com. Um, and that helps as well, because we get a little cut of each of those sales. Dragon Koi Aquatics, I already read that one. Multi-take addiction, well, a great story either way. Yeah, either it works or it doesn't. I've never been this nervous about money before. Um, when you're a tenured professor, even if you're not making a ton of money, you're making steady money and good benefits. So this is definitely different than academia for sure. Um, what is your PhD? So I have my degrees. I don't have a PhD in, in theater. You often don't have PhDs. Um, yeah, there's many different terminal degrees. I have a master's degree and, uh, but my degrees are in theater. So I have one, two, th three degrees in theater. So, um, yeah, I almost got the PhD. I finished all the coursework and everything, but then it was going to take five more years to finish the dissertation. And I had a wife and young kids and we had been stuck in a, like a little dorm apartment for 10 years already <laughs> during my schooling. So it was just time to move on with life. Uh, but yeah, theater, believe it or not, I'm, I'm in the entertainment business and stuff like that. Bare Bottom Aquatics, email sent with screenshots. Great. We'll get to that as soon as we're done here. Wow. I don't know how to say this one. Eccentricibits? No, it wouldn't be X. It would just be 
Zintrishabits. Did I say that right? Did I get it? Zintrishabits. Best of luck, new subscriber. Well played. Well, glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. It's always fun to get new subscribers. It makes you feel like, okay, this is working. <laughs> Bathy Phila. Do you have any experience with diapterons? Yes. Aside from wanting cooler temps, are they difficult? So um, I know what you're talking about. I've never kept diapterons because I've never had a fish room that was a cool enough temperature. Um, I've kept a lot of natives, but they would go way down in temperature in the winter, too cold for diapterons. So I couldn't keep them at that time. So I know them. They, I've seen them. I have friends that keep them. Really small fish, but for those that don't know what a diapteron is, check this out. This is worth looking at. There are these group of killifish that are absolutely stunning. Several different species. This is not one of them. This is a clown killifish. But the others are diapterons. They don't get big. They're, they're I don't know, an inch and a half maybe. Just beautiful fish. They come from more or less high mountain environments. So the water there is cooler. It's very clean and it's kind of up towards the headwaters. It's still in the rainforest, but it's high enough that it's and it's shaded enough um, that it's, it's cooler. So they like at 65 degrees or so. And they're amazing and beautiful. Now, most people that have problems with them have problems because they can't keep them cool enough. A lot of people that breed them use a mix of RO water and tap water. So they have really soft water. And then the other thing is the males can be very aggressive towards each other. So those are the main challenges that I'm aware of. Not ever having kept them myself, but having lots of friends that have kept them and, and talking with them. So that's as much as I can tell you about diapterons, just because I've never kept them myself. But I think the main challenge is going to be the temperature for breeding keeping the water softer, maybe. I would, if I had hard water, I'd try them there first. And then if the eggs didn't work, then I would try cutting it with RO. But that male aggression, that's, that's tough in a, a small little aquarium. So I think, it's, I think the trick is probably gonna be if you can only get a pair, keeping them separate so the male isn't constantly harassing the female and then making sure there's you know, a nice mop in there, putting her in there and kind of keeping an eye on them and taking her out after like four hours or checking on her and making sure she's okay. Maybe removing her after a day and picking the eggs and letting her recover, things like that. Um, or if you can do it, one male with a large group of females, that, that would be fantastic. But that's hard to do with diapterons. They're, they're hard to, they're, they're a little more difficult to get a hold of. But if you go for embathophilia, I, I hope you have good luck. They're, they're beautiful. I've seen them. Just never had the temps to keep them. Reels tanks. How do I get my angel to stop breeding? <laughs> Just kidding. I got three tanks of fry, so all is going great. Cool. It's always nice when uh, when I sell someone fish and hear that they're doing well and spawning. I'm glad to hear that. Real thanks. Um, on a serious note, though, if you ever do want to get them to stop breeding, one thing that helps is lowering the temperature. It might not stop them, but it'll slow them down. So if they're spawning for you every two weeks, if you cut the temperature down, then maybe it'll be once a month. So that, that can help. Other than that, I, you just got to separate them. But who would want to do that? 
to a bonded pair that's getting along. Small fry aquarium fish. Many, many theater folks in our family and extended family. Much love for you guys. Oh man. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting life being a, a theater family. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Eccentric habits. Oh, that's how you say that. Not Zentrishabits. <laughs> I wasn't even close. Zentrishabits. <laughs> Eccentric habits. Gotcha. 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 Kaylers Aquatics, thanks for the super chat, Bob. Really appreciate it. Happy for you that you're following your passion, success in all you aspire to do. Thanks for all you are doing for the hobby and us. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for being part of it, Bob. Thanks for modding and being part of this community. Reels Tanks at Lumpy Dog, they're a pair from Dance Fish. Oh, that's why it that's why it highlighted. Um Bathy Phila, thanks for the advice. I can do the temps, but my water is liquid rock. If it's super, super hard, it might not hurt to cut it half and half with RO to start. Um, from talking with people that do breed them, they generally have a lot of success once they go with an RO ratio of water. So then they can soften the water down. So it, it might, if breeding is the goal, it might be worth doing that. Lumpy dog, whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or, yep, all right, all right. <laughs> what got you into the hobby? My brother got me into this hobby. His name's Michael. He's my little brother, but he's six foot seven, so he's my big little brother. I call him Ogre, which is Spanish for ogre. Um, <laughs> and when I was, I don't know, I was 13 or so. So I was, I was, I did this to him a lot. Like he would come up with, he would think something was cool. And so he would get something and I'd be like, that is cool. And I just blow it up. So, um, in this case, he got a little 10 gallon aquarium at a thrift store. I remember we were going through a thrift store and he saw it and he wanted it and he got it and got some fish in it. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I had three tanks. <laughs> like this is what always happened. He'd come up with a good idea and then I'd be like, yes, let's do lots of that. So he got a tank and I thought it was so cool that I got three. And then in my little bedroom. And then after a little while, I had a couple racks up on the wall. I'm like 13 years old. Maybe. No, I was 13 at that time. I think I started shipping fish at 14, but I got my first fish at 13 or so. Um, and I'd mow lawns. So I'd have money to buy fish in aquariums and stuff. Um, but that's what it was. My little brother got a tank. I fell in love with it and uh, haven't looked back since. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> so my niche, so that's Shakespeare and Tennessee Williams. My niche is new plays. So what Sundance Film Festival does for film, launching new films, is what I do for new plays. So the Wyoming Theater Festival, if you have a play and you want to get it seen and launched out into the world, you come to us. If, uh, if we select it, then we'll perform it. We'll get producers interested in it. We'll um, get people to see it. We'll develop it. And then hopefully it goes from there. So um, yeah, that's, that's what we do. 
Do you still have the white cheap gobies at Scow Town Aquatics? I don't. Um, they're a very seasonal fish, and they just haven't been available for a long time. As soon as I see them, we'll get them, because I love them, and everyone else wants them too. So there, there's a lot of fish that are seasonal, and they're just you just can't get them <laughs> unless it's the right time of year. And I don't remember what the time of year is. Lumpy Dog says, how's the Santa Maria Endlers working out? They're fantastic. So the latest, so I have four tanks of them going in breeding process and then several tanks of, you know, the coals and the stuff that isn't perfect. Um, the last batch, most of them came out looking pretty much exactly what I wanted. Um, in the past, I've had so, lots come out like I more or less like I wanted, but they didn't have the the black wasn't as black as is desirable. It was more like a little blotchy. Um, that's the main thing. And then the color on the tails wasn't quite right. There's a little bit of green in a Santa Maria Endler. And that wasn't quite right in the majority of the fish. Now I'm getting to the point where the majority of the fish are pretty much what I want. So I'm doing one more round and then this, this next round, I'm going to really count what percentage is coming out how I want and keep really close track of that. And I think I'll be just about ready to let him go after the next round. So that's probably going to be two months or so. Hopefully, I'll have some ready to go. So I've got a lot now that are Santa Maria's. Some that actually are. They, they really are. But... Um, but I just want to make sure the strain's breeding true, but they're getting super close, like, like super close. It's taken a year, but I'm, we're almost to the point where I feel comfortable that they're ready to go. So, yep. All right. It's 8.11. We've got to the bottom of the chat. Um, oh, wait, here's another question. Um, so in a few minutes, we will shut down. If you have a question or a comment that you want to get out there before we shut down, now is the time. If you make it at Dan's Fish, I'll be 99% sure that I see it and respond to it. If you don't, and I didn't get to your question or comment, I'm real sorry. I just didn't see it. So um, if it's important to you that I see or respond to something, please make it at Dan's Fish and I will. Um, so let me answer this question, see if a few more come in, and then we'll, then we'll shut down. But bare bottom aquariums, why are freshwater archer fish so expensive? So the same reason that a lot of fish out of Myanmar, did I say that right? Burma, um, are expensive. And it's just because they're from such remote, re remote, <laughs> it's a remote, <laughs> remote locations that it's a real trek to get to them. So the clouded archer fish, the Burmese clouded archer fish, is a very remote location. It's not easy to get to. I don't know the whole, all the ins and outs of it, but you might have to hike for a week to get to them, you know, and then, then it's hard to hike a lot of fish out. So there's limited availability because they're so difficult to collect. Now, in my, I haven't lost a one. They seem to be very hardy. They seem to be just as easy as any other archer fish, even easier because you don't have to have brackish water. Um, so I don't think it's that the fish is difficult to keep or any of that. I just think that they're hard to collect and they're not as widespread. Um, from what I understand, they're from one location in Burma. Um, 
And so it's not like the brackish water species, which there's lots of places to get them. They're widespread. So you have to be careful the quantity you collect too. So there's a lot of fish right now coming out of Myanmar um, that or Burma that um, are very expensive just because of the difficulty of getting to them. That keeps the supply really low. So that I believe uh, Bear Bottom Aquatics is the real goods on why that fish is expensive. In fact, I was looking at the list today and there's several other species um, coming out of Burma as well. And they're very expensive as well. And it's just such a new area that the infrastructure isn't there. All right. A few last questions and comments and then we'll shut this down. Uh, <laughs> Lumpy Dog says, thanks for the live stream. Best one this year. <laughs> and also the worst one this year so far. <laughs> Are you going to be bringing in any new rainbows anytime soon? So, yeah, um, I don't know if you consider blue eyes rainbows, but uh, Pseudomugil fricatus, I'm looking at getting. Um, and there's two other species. So Rubros striatus, I believe, the red line rainbow fish. I'm trying to get a wild group of those in. It's hard. There's very poor infrastructure in Papua, Papua, Papua New Guinea. Um, so it's hard to do. And I'm also trying to get uh, Ogilvy rainbows in as well. So those are the two species that I've been working on for a few months to get. It Again, it's really hard. The infrastructure is not there. Um, but there is a supplier. And it's just getting them from the supplier to here reliably that is, is the point we're working on. I've been trying for a couple months. I try every week. And I'm trying again this week, so we'll see. But those are the main ones I'm getting in. I also have um, access to to someone who got a bunch of Gary Lang's um, emerald rainbows and has many available. So I might be doing that, but it won't be this week. So I have access to Gary Lang uh, emerald rainbows as well in quantity. The issue is... They're pretty pricey. And the problem with rainbows is they're so small when you get them, they don't have the color. And people that don't know them can't, don't imagine or believe how beautiful they're going to get. So it's hard to sell them um, when they're little. And when they're big, they're so expensive that it's also hard to sell them. But that's what I'm working on, Perry Marsh. Bathy Phila, continuing on Achilles, any experience with Aphanius? Yes. One of the first fish I ever bred was the Phaneus Mento. Um, love them. So with the Phaneus, you said you have hard water. They'll love it. Hard water, high temperatures. Now, where they live, the temperatures swing a lot. Sometimes some of the Phaneus habitats are like super salty, um, super high temperatures. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, expose them to, to extremes, but some of them come from that. And others come from areas where parts of the year it's super hot, but it's the desert where parts of the year it's also super cold. So they're a very hardy fish. Keep the water hard. If you can add a little salt to it, that often helps. You don't have to, especially if it's hard. But yeah, they're fantastic. They spawn like gangbusters. The males are very assertive. Um... Often, if you have a group of Aphanius, only one male will color up. 
and the rest will be subdominant coloration. What else about them? Yeah, just make the males are really hard drivers on the females and in in just very territorial. You can keep a big group in a tank. Don't get me wrong. Just make sure that it's planted or or you have um, enough space in there to break up lines of sight and stuff. But yeah, I've seen a group of a couple hundred in a 30 gallon aquarium um, that my fish, my killifish godfather, his name's Jim Forche, um, kept in there and bred and raised for generations. And they just kept that population just kept breeding and, and uh, the babies would survive enough would survive that the population would grow. And he just had that thing just full of them. So I think Phaneas are fantastic. A Phaneas Mento is probably the easiest one to get. It's a black fish with bright spangles on it. It's really beautiful. It's called the poor man's nigropinus. And because Sinolebius nigropinus is the fish it looks like, the other killifish it looks like a lot. They're probably the easiest to get a hold of, the least expensive, and they're beautiful. So not a, not a bad one to start with. Um, you can, they'll spawn in the mid 70s, but if you really want to get a lot of spawning, kick the temperature up a bit to the, to the low 80s. So yeah, that's my thoughts on them, but they're, they're awesome. They're a great adventure and they're a fish that needs to be kept in captivity because they're basically like a pup fish. In the United States, we have native pup fish from these very small locations. Aphanius are the pup fish of the Middle East and Northern Africa. So yeah, they could use some conservation for sure. Um, Small fry aquarium fish. Could you in the future do a tutorial on RO water? I know it's more than yet another gizmo, but I sure don't know what to buy, why to buy it and how to use it. Small fry, I wish I could. I've never used much RO water, so I'm not the person. I just don't have the expertise. Um, my mantra is always benefit. Lives well and does what I want in my water, I'll keep it. <laughs> if it doesn't do well in my water and doesn't breed for me, I'm just not going to keep that fish. So, um, I mean, I'm familiar with RO. I've seen lots of systems where it works and stuff, but I've never had one personally in my own fish room and maintained it and selected it and all that. So I wish I could help you out, but I just don't have the ex expertise in that area. Sorry about that. Cichlids 23. Hey, Dan, what are your thoughts on yellow Labradensis and their care? Is, it, is this the yellow lab? Um, let me make sure that I know that this is the yellow lab before I go start talking about yellow labs and then find out, oh no, this is a different fish totally. Um, <laughs> oh no, it's not the yellow lab. Glad I looked. Herichthys labradens. I don't know. I've never kept that. Looks like a big Central American um, cichlid, but cichlids 23, never kept that fish. So I'm sorry. I, I don't think I could help you. I'd like to though. It's pretty looking at it. That's a cool looking fish. In fact, I haven't kept any of the really big Central Americans. It's just always been a matter of tank space for me. If I ever did, I'd want to keep them in, in massive aquariums. And uh, I've never had a lot of massive aquariums, so I've never done it. I like them, but I've never kept them. KG Cichlids, hey, welcome. So glad you're here. Dang it, I was cooking dinner with my daughter listening. Or for my daughter. All right. <laughs> well, welcome. 
Enjoy your dinner. Wichita Falls, have you bred the archers? No. In fact, I don't know if anyone has bred archer fish. Does anyone here know? When I was researching before I got these guys, I was looking into that. Uh, breeding fish is one of the main things I love about this hobby. Um, but from what I read, I, there were lots of reports that said there's no breeding information available on this fish. Now, that doesn't mean that no one's done it. It just means that the places I was looking didn't know about it. But I've never heard of either banded archer fish, which is the normal brackish water archer fish that, that we've known and loved for years, or the clouded archer fish have ever been bred in captivity that I know of, at least not in hobbyists, maybe large aquariums, but I haven't seen anything about it. Man, I'd love to do it, but don't know anything about it. And I couldn't find any information on it either. So yeah. Bear Bottom Aquariums. Thanks. Great stream with great info. All right. Glad you liked it. Bathophilia, thanks again. You got it. Perry Marsh, any tips on triggering quarries when the room is heated? Um, it's just the typical two things with quarries. Um, massive amount of food, large water change. That's the best I've got. That's kind of always worked for me. So there are species that do better at high temperatures. Maybe if you have corridors stir by or something like that, um, maybe stay away from some of the cooler water fish. But if you haven't got them yet and you have the option, look at species that want the higher temperatures. But, you know, they breed a lot of quarries in very hot areas. Indonesia has a ton. Uh, Malaysia has a ton. And these are very, Thailand breeds a ton of them. These are very, very hot temperatures in these countries. So it can be done. Um, I just think the main thing with quarries is feed them a ton without fouling the water. Um, rapashi is great. You can big, put in a big old hunk of rapashi. And then if they haven't eaten it all in a couple hours, you just go and scoop it out. And they just chew on that for hours. Uh, you can do with black worms. You can do with anything, but they really do take a lot of food naturally and even more to get into spawning condition. And then once they're full of eggs and ready, large water change, preferably as a storm is blowing in and the barometric maybe pressure in your area is dropping uh, to help trigger them to spawn. That's my best trick. The, well, there's one more. If you have a species that's difficult to get to breed, um, say you have like equus or something and you just can't get it to go, get some paleotis or aeneas or something like that in a separate tank. Um, make sure they're really healthy for a long time before you do this, but cause you don't want to, you know, put the equus at risk. But, um, once those spawn the aeneas or the paleotis or an easy species to spawn, you can take a bunch of that water and put it in the other aquarium with the other corridors and the hormones and all the sex in the water basically can induce the harder species to breed. So that's another trick. It's kind of what I got a lot of food in a large water change with a little bit cooler water than is in the aquarium. If they're going to go that often gets them to go. Oh, there is one other trick. Move them to a new tank. If you have a tank that is well established and, um, you can take the fish out of it, do that, and just move them to another tank. Sometimes that change is enough to get them to go too. That I've, I've had that happen several times, actually. 
where I've had a group of quarries in my fish room that I've had for a long time. They haven't spawned. I'm not trying to spawn them. I just need the tank. So I move them somewhere else. They spawn immediately. So that's, that's another trick. So yeah, those are, those are my thoughts, uh, Perry Marsh, on getting quarries to go. All right. We are at 825. Uh, want to thank everybody for participating. Thank you, mods, for modding. Uh, thank you, Bob, for the super chat. Greatly appreciated. Never required, but always appreciated. Anyone that asks questions or comments to make this more interesting, thank you. Uh, anyone that chimed in and helped someone out that had a question, wonderful. And all you lurkers, respect. I'll be back next Wednesday, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. I'll see you then. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.